Hi, my name is Kevin. Welcome to the podcast. We are we do it for the love of it. I'm Charles, and this is a sports podcast watching for the best stories from across the global competitive landscape. Okay, so we're going to start it off today with a PGA Championship, where Tiger is unbelievable and hopefully wins it all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to disappoint you, but he is going to finish just in second place, just behind Brooks Kepka, who... Uh. Uh, wins the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship, joining an illustrious list of players who have accomplished that in the same year. Uh, heartbreaking. I was hoping. <laughs> I was hoping. Yeah, it was It was a wild, wild, right from the start of the last round, Tiger Woods managed to miss all seven fairways on the front nine and yet go minus three in that front nine. He was putting like crazy. He was scrambling from bunkers, rough, just getting all the job done. But Brooks Kepka had an excellent last round as well. Uh, finishes minus 16 ahead of Tiger at minus 14 with Adam Scott in third at minus 13. Wild. Just wild. You know, it's, it's cool every time Tiger is anywhere near competitive because... Once again, like he almost he's a bell cow of the sport. Like it's like, you know, those like, oh, LeBron James is doing something. Oh, Tiger. But like Tiger is like almost the only reason you watch that sport. And Yeah. Like he awesome. energizes the sport so to such a degree it's amazing. Yeah, so I mean once again, it's awesome to see him uh be like maybe he's getting healthy. Maybe we'll see this kind of continue, this trend of uh Tiger doing well, you know, you know, um, he's more like a regular player than he is this crazy, unbelievable force that can't be stopped. But at least someone who can compete and has a chance of winning will be awesome to see. Yeah, we're out of majors for this year, but you still got the FedEx Cup, some big name tournaments coming. Hopefully, he stays healthy and you know we can have a reason to watch some of these lesser tournaments. And next year, starting with the Masters. Can't wait. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, he at least he's there in the last day. It's such a big deal. Like it's one thing for him to win, but just for him to be in the top five where you think he might win adds so much excitement to these tournaments. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. I'd agree with you. Um, okay, uh, does that kill it for PGA, or do we have any more about that? Uh, no, I think that should be good. Okay, so sliding over to our favorite new sport esports yeah okay so we're gonna start it yeah, off big week with... in esports <laughs> where do you want to start we're gonna go with uh was it overwatch to start it off all right so the overwatch season is over but we continue to have some off-season news yeah um after the two new teams joined in we actually had a retirement of a player uh from the dallas fire uh, Seagull. Yes. Yes, Brandon Larned from Gig Harbor, Washington, better known as Seagull, has retired to focus on his Twitch stream. Yeah, um, apparently he cited that it was, uh, you know, really professional, um, the professional game really wasn't for him. He thought it would be kind of something that he would really enjoy, but it ended up being uh, just a lot of stress uh, that he couldn't, uh, that he really kind of took away a lot of the fun for him. And he wanted to get back kind of to his roots. And it's crazy because he was 
uh, almost a lot of the reason a lot of the professionals were even playing Overwatch, you know, because he was this big personality. He's an unbelievable streamer. So if you get a chance and you enjoy watching uh, the professional Overwatch, you can watch him play on his own uh, on Twitch. Very exciting player. Uh, it's really cool kind of that he's still, you know, going to be around even in the, if it is in a diminished role, you know, as a celebrity kind of playing instead of the professional scene. So best of luck to him. And yeah. yeah, it puts into focus the difference of esports and just how young esports is. And you got uh, when you look at NFL players or NBA players, they've been spending their entire life building up to becoming this pressure-packed, all the focus on you kind of athlete. Where yeah. the people in esports, yeah, you know, ten years ago when a, a normal athlete may have been first exposed to a little bit of pressure that would eventually build up for them. Guys like Siegel were just, you know, personalities. They were just guys playing video games, and they probably never expected that they would be as well-known as they are today. Yeah, exactly, right? You know, you don't, I mean, even, it's crazy because the game comes out, you know, so quickly, and then it gets super popular. They're like, cool, let's make an esports tournament, and then all of a sudden you, you have pros. Like, it's like, you know, in less than a year, this is a thing. So, are you ready to be a professional gamer? Like, odds are you're going to have a little bit of stress on you that you're just not used to having. And Yeah, the turnaround is... <laughs> it's it's unprecedented when you think about it. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, uh, once again, uh, his teammates were, you know, very happy that he's moving on and getting rid of that kind of stress because it was beating him down and they... You know, you didn't know wants to see that. So it's awesome for him that he, you know, got to play. And we got to see him play for Dos Fire because he was a big part of them turning their, you know, their game around. And, uh, you know, hopefully all the best to him. And hopefully Dos Fire finds themselves another uh, guy who can step in and fill that role. Yeah, they were one of the elite teams, but they have solid team with solid depth. I uh, I think this is probably a situation that'll what you want best is just that Siegel feels comfortable in his life, and I think the Dallas Fire will be able to move forward without him. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, so sliding over now to Fortnite, uh, you have the information about this one. Yes, the fifth week of the summer skirmish, eight-week summer skirmish. This was my favorite um, setup. It was called Kingpin. I would stand out. You get uh, one point per elimination. If you won the Victory Royale, you got a three times bonus for your eliminations in the next match. And if you got seven or more eliminations, you got a two times elimination bonus for the next match. Wow. The, so, uh, it was played in duos, and this led to very exciting play. That's crazy. That, like, that, the, the build for that is like kind of a, almost a little faster pace. So what is the winning score for that, or is this kind of like so many rounds thing? Uh, yeah, so we didn't have a total winning score. It was kind of the um, a curling bond spiel type type uh, end result where you just tried to win the most amount of money for winning the most amount of rounds, getting the most amount of eliminations. Okay, okay. And uh, so with $75,000, Twitch Kinzel and Atlantis Mitro, a couple names we've seen near the top of these leaderboards before, ended up winning. Yeah, that's for sure. With uh, 
Twitch, Kedger, Octagon, Severin, second, and Zypher, Tesquati, and Zypher, Snafu, uh, rounding out the podium with $60,000 and $50,000, respectively. That's awesome. I mean, it's cool to kind of see something like that that involves a dollar amount. So, like, they're just, hey, put in work, get your money type of thing. And it's kind of cool to kind of see it be like that. Yeah, and it's significant money that definitely attracts it attracts eyeballs and attention when you see those numbers flash up there 100 percent. so that was what week was that this one uh this is the, in the fifth of eight weeks yeah so i mean we only have three more so it's going to be exciting to see kind of what they decide to do with these last three uh do we maybe see some you know uh different names or maybe bigger names in uh in that world you know maybe a ninja appearance and put a bounty on them or something or you know maybe myth or some of the crazy names that are out there so i mean hopefully we do kind of see something cool like that and uh yeah we'll go from there for sure starting off with now moving to league of legends should i say uh we are now talking about some crazy comebacks and uh the playoff kind of situation that's moving forward um you have some cool info on that yeah so we are in week eight of the national north america league of legends championship series and that saw a couple of large comebacks from teams that absolutely needed the win uh team tsm defeated team uh 100 thieves in a comeback victory, while Optic Gaming defeated Echo Fox in once again a nice big, nice big comeback victory. There we go. And they absolutely needed this. Yes. Uh, there so is... This kept them alive in the series uh, so that they could even be in the playoffs. If they, if they lost these, they were out. There's no chance of them making it. This at least gives them a chance to carry on and maybe make their ways into the playoffs, if I'm correct, right? Uh. Not quite. These teams are 6th and 7th in a battle for a 6-team playoff. Okay. So these two teams are fighting against each other for that last for precious that spot. that last spot. Okay, okay. So, yeah. I mean... And they both were losing but came back right at the very end. Particularly Optic Gaming, it seemed for sure that they were gun for until the last minute victory. Yeah, so, I mean, that's really cool to see you. Um... If this is one thing you guys should definitely check out, especially if you are a fan of League of Legends or play League of Legends at all, it's definitely worth the watch, especially when you see those crazy comebacks last minute. You know, um, it's kind of one of those really exciting things that you can you can see almost every step of it in the statistics if you just look at it after the fact because they have almost every single second of the game down to the littlest detail. Yeah, if you're a stat nerd, absolutely this is the game for you. There is a lot to look for. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, check it out if you get a chance. It's really cool to see live. So, that one Yeah, they play two games a week and uh, week 9 is the last week of the regular season coming up next week. So, definitely definitely Okay, now moving on to cycling where they're in their kind of weird off season even though it's in the middle of the season. Yeah, so the Tour of France just ended, but we do have the Vuelta España and the World Championships coming up. But the way cycling sets itself up, this is also the biggest free agency moment, and there was quite a bit of news coming out this week. Okay. 
And we should start with the biggest potential news. That's the one piece of news we'll talk about that hasn't been confirmed. But it is rumored that Garrett Thomas may be going to CCC, who only five, six weeks ago, we weren't sure if they were going to exist next year. And now they might be getting the defending Tour de France champion on their roster. Yeah, no. I would say this one makes sense to me just because Thomas is a, you know, a guy who is super talented and he's on a team with another player, you know, who is super talented as well. A racer who's, who's shown capable of winning everything and anything. So it, he was supposed to kind of take a back seat, ended up winning the whole thing. Uh, you know, I'm their team. I'm sure they came to the conclusion that it would probably be better to go with Garrett Thomas. But that kind of seems like it steps on toes of your superstar Froome. So, kind of, what do you imagine the psyche of that situation, if that has anything to even do with it? Yeah, that those points you make make perfect sense. The even though all the outward behavior was very positive, we love each other, we're great friends, all that kind of thing. You have to imagine there was a lot of internal conflict. Especially Garrett Thomas looking forward, he's not going to be the man leading that team next year. Yeah. Even though he's the defending champion, you have the best Grand Tour cyclist in the world. So whether it does happen or not, we shall see. But it does make a lot of sense from Garrett Thomas's perspective. I'm absolutely shocked that CCC has the money to offer him. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I this mean... is a team... We heard that they, they were going to have to slash their budgets... And that's why they were going to lose Richie Porte, uh, Rowan Dennis, TJ Van Gargren. And they were only able to keep Greg Van Avermark because it's cheaper to use kind of a classic specialist than it is to run a Grand Tour team. So this is extremely surprising and good news that they have somehow found the sponsorship backing to pay for a move like this. Yeah, I mean, you have to think with a new sponsor that they they could possibly have a little deeper pockets than imagine because we're kind of unsure of them. So, I mean, like, for them to make that move and then be like, hey, you can get the Tour de France winner. Like, we can open up our pockets even deeper, just get this guy here. We want to see this investment kind of succeed, right? Absolutely. That, that must be the case. That makes perfect sense. It's just very surprising, but a good good surprise. Yeah, no, 100%. And it'll be cool to kind of see how that one plays out and something to keep your guys' eyes on. So I think the biggest free agency move that has been confirmed so far is Caleb Ewing moving from Mitchelton Scott to Lotto Sudal to take over Andre Greipel's position as one of the best sprinters in the world. Okay, okay. So Ewing, um, that's, so that's a really big fix for them. A Greipel, where did he end up going? Uh, Greipel has not found a job yet. He is obviously quite an older rider at this point, and he, we may not see him next year. He may retire. We're not quite sure at this point. Okay, so that's kind of where he... So, I mean, being a little older, maybe kind of making teams a little bit hesitant on kind of giving him the money he probably wants? Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. Yeah, okay, so, I mean, hey, um, but an awesome pickup for them to fill in, you know, an, an aging rider's spot and kind of a linchpin their team. Yeah, uh, Caleb Ewan was um, famously left off this year's Tour de France team as Mistleton Scott, with only eight riders on the Tour teams, wanted to focus entirely on potentially winning by Adam Yates. 
So you can understand why Caleb Ewan will want to move on to a team that's a little more sprinter-focused. This is, again, a move that makes sense for everybody involved. Okay, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, Ewan, uh, very talented, so it'll be cool to kind of see him in a place where maybe he can have a chance to shine instead of play second fiddle. Yeah, it will also be interesting to see the Australian rider moving away from the Australian team. Sometimes that affects riders in good ways. They they get a little more balance in their schedule, and sometimes moving, changing that training schedule can torpedo riders' careers. Hopefully, Caleb Ewan is up to the challenge. Okay. I also wanted to mention Rohan Dennis. He's not really a Grand Tour contender yet, but there's been a lot of talk about his five-year plan to become one. Is moving to Bahrain Merida to join Vincenzo Nibali. Okay, so... Why would this move uh, make sense to kind of that situation for him? Well, this is a situation where I'm kind of surprised since BMC slash CCC appears to actually have the money. I thought maybe these two sides would be able to get together. Because Rowan Dennis, no matter what he does, is not going to become the face of Bahrain Merida. Bahrain Merida was created for Vincenzo Nibali. Yeah. So this one, like the other two we were talking about, I thought were perfect fits for both sides. This one I'm much less sure of. As I mentioned in the intro to this, Rowan Dennis has this famous five-year plan with his personal coach. And we don't know how Barre Morita is going to approach it. We know BMC was very supportive of this eventual plan to move from a time trialist to a Grand Tour rider. Yeah, no, it, it seems very weird to me, especially when... Like, in five years, like, do they imagine Nibali to be like, cool, I'll definitely take a huge step back. And, you know, where I am the face, I'll now be the, maybe I'm kind of the, I could end up being second fiddle. It just doesn't seem like. Yeah, that has to be the hope is that Nibali retires or fades into the background and Roland Dennis becomes your next guy to step through. But I'm unsure that that will go off without a hitch as they... How old they is clearly Nibali? must hope. Uh, Nibali is one of the older riders kind of in the Grand Tour name. I believe he's 33, 34 right now. Right, so I mean, you Coming imagine off that, in five uh, years, broken back. he'd probably be on his, you know, last legs, right? So that move could yeah. make sense if he was like, hey, we understand the five-year plan. You know, maybe it ends up happening a year earlier, you know? That could yeah, be something that would, he offered. That would certainly be the hope. 33 right now, so yeah. Okay. Uh, Alright, last couple names in the free agency waiver wire. TJ Van Garderen moves over to EF Education Drapek. And Roman Kreutzinger goes to Dimension Data. A couple of super domestiques going to teams where they might be asked to do too much. Okay, okay. When you look at, like, these two people, Van Garderen as a helper to Richie Port has the correct amount of talent for his role. Yeah. I think the same sort of thing in Kruzinger the last few years is he's bounced around from being with Alberto Contador and Chris Froome as his, their kind of number two. But they're going to a team with Kruzinger to Dementia Data. That's a sprinter team that may ask Kruzinger to be their Grand Tour guy, and he's shown in the past that he's not actually physically capable of pulling that off. And Van Garderen, they have a couple Grand Tour riders, and Rigoberto Oran, and maybe for Canadian fans, Michael Woods might become one. 
So is he going to slot in as the helper, or is he going there to chase his own ambitions? And if that's the case, I cannot see that working. Yeah. No, um, I mean, maybe that number two kind of spot slides to in his head makes sense just to be capable of maybe uh, making a little more of a name for himself in a way. Yeah, we see this in cycling a lot. The really good riders want to try, as you said, make a name for themselves, try to step into that next level. And the problem is they're really good riders and you need to be a great rider. And there are so few Grand Tours in cycling that unless you're part of the top three, four, five riders in the world at any one time, you're very unlikely to really get a shot. This isn't baseball where any one game, there's like a 55-45 chance that even a really good team beats a bad team. In cycling, the best riders tend to win. Yeah. And if you're the seventh best rider in the world, you're better off helping or going for stage wins or some sort of that, that sort of thing. And I'm not sure these guys are being put in positions where they can be the most useful for their levels of talent. Yeah, no, it's 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 very interesting to kind of see how this stuff moves around, even though it's like, hey, if, why would you move? Because like, your situation is kind of already you know, good, but it's these guys are looking to kind of always be moving forward. So when they kind of jump around to these teams, they're trying to make like this, just even if it's the slightest improvement, you know, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. So these guys are always trying to get better. So they're always trying to, you know, make a little bit more name, make a little more noise, keep moving, make a little more noise. You can't kind of get stuck in the mud. Yeah, personal ambition can never be undersold. It's always it's always going to be important, even in a team sport. Yeah, 100%. All right, so I want to move to a retirement. Simon Gerrans, the great Australian rider, has retired. Yeah, no, and very crazy kind of thing i mean he's you know it to see great people move on it's awesome for him you know a great star spangled career you know and uh, you know everyone's kind of happy to you know see this successful person kind of go down in history now yeah he won a couple i think he won at least two tours of uh tours down under multiple stage wins in that race yeah he won at least one monument. Uh, just an impressive rider. Multiple stage wins in, in Grand Tours. He has indicated that he wants to remain in the sport. And as one of... He has a reputation as kind of one of the smarter smarter riders in the Pro Peloton. I'm sure he'll be given plenty of opportunity to run his own team one day. That's awesome. I mean, it, it's cool to see, especially when they're, you know, with great players, that they get a chance to, you know, keep involved in the sport. And it'll be cool to see where he ends up and kind of where he goes now post being, you know, a superstar cyclist. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I did want to clarify some of my statistics on his. So he's the record holder as winning four tours down under. He won both Milan-San Remo and Liege-Baston-Liege. And is one of the few riders to have a stage win in all three Grand Tours. Oh, wow. Including wearing the yellow jersey in the Tour de France. That's an incredible career. For yeah. the... He's a 38-year-old rider moving on to retirement, so certainly up there in age. Yeah, so, I mean, it'll be awesome once again to see 
this Star Spangled, you know, player now be a uh, uh, voice in someone's ear as they help them become the next Garens. Absolutely. And moving on from an older rider at the end of his career to a young rider whose career just can't seem to get started, Esteban Chavez, my favorite rider in the peloton, will unfortunately be missing the Volta España coming up. With uh, it, ha- it turns out he has mononucleosis. Okay, what exactly is mononucleosis? I don't know, which is kind of sad considering I've had this disease in the past. <laughs> I should know a bit more about it. So, but um, it it wears you out. This is the, a disease that can last for several weeks and really just take a toll on the body. Even if you were to be able to recover by the Volta de Spana, he would be in absolutely no condition to yeah, kind of kills uh, all to of perform at an elite athlete level. Yeah. I mean, and this is really sad. This is a rider who's shown incredible promise, uh, nicknamed the Smiling Assassin. Just a, a great fun rider to watch. Always, always in a great mood. Really, just a pure mountain goat. An amazing climber. Yeah, no. It's really disappointing that he's always had some sort of health issue, whether it be laryngitis or bronchitis. He never seems to be able to stay healthy. Yeah, it sucks when you, you know, have all these setbacks in a career too, you know. It's, you have this idea, you get there, you do something exciting, and then it's setback, 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 setback. You know, I can't imagine how he must feel, but I'm sure the competitor in him is still just hungry and ready to, you know, be healthy and succeed. But, you know, it's it's tough, and it, it takes a toll kind of missing out on these things when you feel like, you know, now's your time, now's your time, now's your time. So, I mean, hopefully he gets this on track and he starts getting that, you know, that health kind of in line and can start to really show what he's capable of. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, he just he gets healthy and shows up uh, next year, whichever Grand Tour Mitchelton Scott chooses to race him. And and is able to stay healthy, which is hard to do for some of these really skinny riders. He is only 109 pounds. He's a really small guy. Like I said, pure mountain goat. And we wish him the best. Yes, 100%. Okay. So I, does that does it for cycling. We slide on over now to the NFL, um, which is in uh, the exhibition kind of set up in all their preseason stuff. I mean... Where the news we're talking about now is less about the sport and as like, oh, what are these teams kind of, it's more about individual players because we had such a weird draft that had some very talented quarterbacks. Maybe some of them picked a little earlier than they should have been. We're not sure yet, but uh, we kind of can do a little bit of speculation after week one has passed. Uh, Absolutely. Why are you listening to us if not for wild speculation about athletes who haven't played a real game? Exactly, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, wow, it's Baker Mayfield threw a whole bunch of pass a bunch of guys who are going to be flipping burgers in a week or two. Wow, I can't, he's going to be the best quarterback ever. Like, we, we don't really know. But you can see little flashes of those players and why they were picked. And I want to start it off with Sam Darnold. Because, holy, this guy, I you know, in USC, he was a player who was, I felt like, kind of underperformed. I know you're 
kind of not a big fan of them, which is, yeah. you know... It's a little tougher this week, but it was just an exhibition game, so I'm going to stand by my point that I think Darnold will be the biggest flop of this draft. Yeah, you know, but it was a good first week. Yeah, you know, after this uh, week one and seeing him kind of move in the pocket, keep his eyes downfield, he he had a play that reminded me of of uh, San Francisco quarterback who played with Terrell Owens. Who they had, they had a falling out. I can never remember his name off the top of my head. You're talking about uh, Jeff Garcia here? Jeff Garcia, yes, 100%. He pushed in the, up the in a pocket that kind of spread out around him, and then he slid to the right, keeping his eyes locked downfield, and threw a pass that was in a tight window that was completed for a touchdown. Yes, I know it's on younger guys, but the way players kind of do that it's something you can't really teach otherwise you know ever there'd be a million jeff garcias like he uh, those guys who kind of push a play a little bit longer and are capable of throwing a ball and feeling the pressure like he felt after he pushed out that there was kind of nothing behind him and those guys are special and i think he's gonna end up being a really good quarterback i don't know if he's gonna be the next you know you name it. I think you're trying to sway me just by comparing him to my favorite quarterback of all time. So I think that's just <laughs> a mean, dirty maybe trick. Maybe I did use uh, a little bit of, uh, you know, voodoo A former there. stampeder. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was he was an unbelievable. Uh, uh, he had an unbelievable showing in that in that setting. And also, I want to give a shout out to Teddy Bridgewater as well. He did really well, and it's really cool to see him, you know, playing and, you know, and being successful. So, uh, I think that's probably Darnold's best bet is he has this talented quarterback in front of him that can, that can take the reps. I think people are way too impatient with NFL quarterbacks these days. I agree with you. And probably, like, almost every single one that was drafted should probably not take a single snap this year. Yeah, I don't no, know whether that will happen, I, but I it's certainly so possible as well, for sure. You never want to rush these things because as soon as they have one down game, you know they go, "Oh, he's not the guy we thought," and then there's all this stress. The guy's just a kid, you know. You're he he gets beat up. He starts trying to make things go so that people, you know, get off his back. He, he just keeps making mistake after mistake. The team isn't very talented. It isn't all on them, but it almost seems like it is just their fault. So letting them sit back, let, uh, you know, Luke McCowan get out there. And, you know, if he gets banged out, let Trady Bridgewater go and let Sam Darnold chill for the year and watch these guys play. Um, all right. What about some of the other rookie quarterbacks? Okay. We're going to slide over to uh, Baker Mayfield because here's another guy who had a very successful outing for the Browns. Um, I don't see the same uh, kind of um, the flashes that I felt with uh, Darnold, but Mayfield did look really composed. He had two touchdown drives. I think it's 72 yards through the air, uh, two passing touchdowns. It was there, but I just I didn't get that same excitement when I watched Darnold. Uh, I mean, once again, it is only week one. There's still time to go. Uh, hopefully, he put we... up huge numbers 
Uh, but he didn't do it against quite the same level as competition as Darnold did. So 100%. I think he's being downgraded a little for that. Yeah, you know, uh, so I mean, the the reason why uh, Pryor was out there a little bit longer was because, you know, he's new to the team as well. So he needs a lot of, he needs some game time action, really let those players settle in against, you know, the high end uh, players while they're still out there, you know, some of the backups and whatnot. Before they put uh, before they put Mayfield on the field, so I mean, I mean, Baker Mayfield does look like he's going to be a successful quarterback in this league for sure. I don't think he's going to be a bust. I think the Browns did reach for him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I could see Baker Mayfield being a good quarterback, but so much about being a successful quarterback depends on having a successful organization around you. And there is nothing to suggest that the Browns are anything or close to becoming a successful organization. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think this year kind of showed that they do have an idea in their head and they went out of their way to get all these pieces to make sure a quarterback could succeed. But Yeah, they have an o- they appear to have an offense at the very least. Yeah, 100%. Year. But I feel like they gave up uh, an off a, you know, a defensive corner, sort of like, we need a defensive corner. And you have the number, what was it, four or five pick, and you're like, we need a corner so bad that we're going to give up on probably the best pass rusher in this draft. Like, yeah, in Chubb. <laughs> For a corner who doesn't appear to have what it takes to be, like, the standalone, leave him, the, the, the Revis Island style, leave him alone, let him take on the best yeah, player. Yeah, like, but I don't think Ward, most people you, think. You get a player who's very capable, undersized. You're not going to put him against Julio Jones, so I do not get the move. But, you know, that's why this organization doesn't seem to be that good. <laughs> and it hasn't been for a while. And it's because of moves like this. Take the sh- take the thing that is the sure thing. Take that rusher, put him next to Miles Jack. One of those two guys gets doubled. The other guy is by himself. They're gonna get home. I don't get the decision to kind of brush that aside and go with a corner. But I mean, that's why I feel like Baker Mayfield also will not be successful. That organization is definitely not in the right place. All right, let's roll on through the first-round quarterbacks. Did Josh Allen do anything that caught your attention? Uh, Josh Allen looks unbelievably physically talented. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, big arm. He They let him through. The first plural I think he went out there for was the end of the, uh, f- the half, I believe, or the second quarter or something. And he, they made him throw a bomb. Or it was the end of the half. They make him throw a bomb down the field, and you got to see that arm talent on display. And holy, does he have a cannon on him! He threw a deep ball, but you know, but the questions of accuracy come into it because he threw the guy out of bounds. Even though the guy was beat, he could have just put it somewhere in the field. Uh, the accuracy is still a question mark there. Uh, he did play against, um, you know, once again the number. Because he came in, I believe, in the second half almost. He played against like, threes, fours, the same as um, Mayfield. He looked very talented and better than all those guys. A lot of those guys won't Certainly be Certainly didn't football. have the numbers that Mayfield put up. You know, a lot of these guys won't be playing football pretty soon. So it's very, you know, it is really cool to see. But I just, I feel like he, he made some throws that, 
questionable. He did some really cool things athletically, and I feel like big reach for uh, an arm that could or may or may not pan out. I don't know. Do you see him getting on the field this year? I don't think so. I You've think only got A.J. McCarron and Nathan Peterman ahead of him. I, I think McCarron and Peterman are definitely in a better situation than them. Uh, Peterman looked really good, which threw me off. Uh, so did um, so did A.J. McCarron, which I think he might end up edging him out. Uh, may not be this year, but soon. And then Allen, um, I think, is not. He should not see a snap. I think they they wanted to go that route as well. They kind of said some things like, "Hey, we have a long term plan for him. Hopefully, they stick to that plan, and something doesn't shake them and make them make a mistake and put him on the field too early." But I'm gonna say he definitely intelligent is a guy thinking. Who absolutely. Sit. How about Josh Rosen? Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen played against uh, a little more talented guys, and he is a remarkably accurate thrower. That's the one thing I got Which from that. Is really the most important aspect in a quarterback these days. I believe a hundred. You need to be able to put the ball exactly where it needs to be. Oh yeah, and he threw some balls that were crazy spectacular, and I was kind of like. Watching him, I'm like, why did he not go higher in the draft? Whatever, the, you know, one man's, you know, trash is another man's treasure, I guess. But it seems like someone's, like someone just did miss the treasure completely. He was no one's trash. He should have went way earlier. He looked super competent, really good in the pocket, put some beautiful balls out there. Um, so, I mean. Yeah, he didn't have the numbers that Mayfield put up. He was 6 of 13 for 41. Yeah. Nothing like Mayfield's 11 for 20 for 212 or whatever it was. Yeah, I mean. I think if you liked Rosen beforehand, you probably still like him. If you're unsure, I don't think you've seen anything to change your mind there either. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, once again, it is still only week one. But, I mean, it's it to me, Rosen looked like he and uh, Darnold were the better two quarterbacks of the quarterbacks out there. I also wanted to talk a little bit about Jackson before I, I kind of move can't, on to my next Can't week. forget about the, the Ravens Exactly. Uh, talking about Lamar you know, Jackson. Sliding in the first round at the end there. He does look like he is definitely the number two. Uh, he is very athletic. It is crazy how athletic he is. When people make a Mike Vick uh, comparison, that is fair. He is crazy is it really i was about to say that does a disservice to him because he's he doesn't have mike vick's athleticism that just like wowed you he doesn't have that level of athleticism no he doesn't but it, it the comparison is fair because he can throw very well he can run very well he is fast 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 for a quarterback so i mean the one thing i would say is that he he where he is at um, making his reads wise, I feel like he is a little bit behind all of them, which is fair, and that's why he kind of went at the end of the first, which basically was the second. Kind of the Ravens made that move because they didn't want to miss out on him. Uh, he does. So need you've time. preached, you've preached patience for 
every quarterback so far, would you also say that for Lamar Jackson? You don't want to see him taking a snap this year? No, I feel like Jackson of all the quarterbacks, uh, Jackson and Mayfield, I feel like of the two, I were the ones I would want to see sit the longest. I feel like Mayfield would probably have the most success of the two if they were to be put out there. But I feel like the organization around Mayfield would be the reason why I want him to sit longer because I would want them to maybe sure up a few other things before he touches the field and gets blamed for them being trash. Um, my next one I'm going to talk about is, uh, I know I said I was going to talk about Geist right away, but I wanted to talk about DJ Moore. Uh, he was picked up first, uh, first round pick for the Panthers and Holy, he had a play that showed his athleticism where he broke a few tackles and made his way in the end zone. Yes, it was against lower end players, but his speed, the way he tracks the ball, the way he, you know, made people miss, he's going to be an exciting player and someone to keep your eye on. If you're one of those weird fantasy weirdos, that's definitely <laughs> a, a player you should Take him uh, white. consider scooping up. I think him and Cam Newton are going to have a great uh, back and forth there. Uh, okay, so I'm going to slide on to uh, another rookie as well. Is also not good news with this one, which is kind of sad. Geis, uh, the running back that was picked up by the Redskins, has, um, you know, in this draft, has torn his ACL against the New England Patriots. Uh, he will miss the remainder of the season which basically is yeah. means he didn't play this season, which is super sad. He Especially for a running back, your career is a show short. You can be replaced so easily. Yeah. It's a really tough situation. 100%. And he was in a great situation uh, with uh, Thompson being the other uh, back that kind of would go with him. You know, Samaj P. Ryan being a guy who fumbles a lot. Rob Kelly being hurt a lot. It, it put... Geis in a great place to succeed and him hurting his ACL is tragic really like you, you never want to see someone get hurt like that and yeah so do you see Chris Thompson taking over the starting role for Washington of this course year? I think he was the number one last year and he'll be the number one this year his ability to, to catch the ball makes him stand out above the other two also I mean P Ryan being the guy who fumbles a lot that kind of puts him on the backtrack, and if yeah. Kelly can even stay Rob healthy, Kelly's on the team as well. Yeah, you know, if he can even be healthy, uh, it's, it's I don't know. So I would say it's Thompson's job now, and it kind of sucks because you want someone to kind of trade time with. And, I, you know, I hope for a speedy recovery for Geis, and the Redskins hopefully uh, can find something to fill that gap. It's definitely going to be a running back by committee there. A hundred percent, it will be. Um, I think number one still being uh, Thompson for sure, even after that leg injury, right. which you know he's supposed right. to be a hundred percent healthy from. So, All right, let's finish our NFL talk with the best story of the weekend exhibition games are fun and all that yes but i want to talk about Cam Newton v Calvin Benjamin. Yes, a hundred percent. This is. Uh, Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> okay, so Calvin Benjamin gets traded to the Bills for a pack of peanuts, and people go, why did that happen? 
And then all of a sudden you have Calvin Benjamin on a radio show trash-talking Cam Newton to the highest level. Oh, it was not... Yeah, this was not subtle. This was not... um, I mean, he called It was intense. Basically an idiot. He can't see. He has no vision. He's terrible at throwing a catchable ball. Like, he went after this man. Yeah. All right. I want to read this quote because it's it's too good not to say. Okay. Here we go. It was a bad fit from the get go. If you would have put me with any other quarterback, let's be real. You know what I'm saying? Any other accurate quarterback, like Aaron Rodgers or Eli Manning or Big Ben, anybody, quarterbacks with knowledge that know how to place a ball or give you a better chance to catch the ball, it just felt like I wasn't in that position. Oh. Oy. That's uh. (laughs) This is strong words. This dude won the MVP just two years ago. I'm, I don't get it. Uh, I feel like whatever went down between those two must have been, you know, something we'll never hear about, but I will hear a little bit about it. And uh, that, uh, to me, was crazy disrespectful. And uh, I'm, Cam Newton had some words for him prior to their preseason game. Uh, if you yes, get a you chance watch this <laughs> to see the video of it, it is, oh, it is, uh, whoo, tensions are high. You know, Cam, you know, be, they're both giant human beings. Let's start this off. You know, there's two guys that walk over, uh, well, there's a guy who walks over and is talking to Benjamin. Cam walks up. Let's establish Benjamin is already 6'6". Six, six. Cam, what, 6'7", six, as well? Like, they're both giants. Six. I think he's listed at 6'6", six, six, but he has like a 6'8", giant human Yeah, being. they're just both towering humans. The, the little guy kind of walks away, and Cam has his words with him face-to-face. You're like, ooh, like, is this going to this gonna come to blows? I mean, Cam composed, you know, having words with him, let him know what's up. Like, we'll see you in the season. We're going to see you as a better, you know, go of this year, and... My, uh, I'm going to put my money on Cam in this, but... <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you think the guy who's the former MVP, who, by the way, now has Norv Turner as his offensive coordinator, is going to do better than the guy who has Nate, Nathan Peterman throwing to him? And the coach who would put <laughs> Nathan Peterman on the field and say Terrell Pryor's yeah. trash and then lose a game that should have... Like, if they put Terrell Pryor in that game... They will probably would have won it. Peterman was had gave them zero chance. I mean, like okay, let's say he gives them a chance to win, where Peterman is had gave them zero chance, like no chance whatsoever of like the highest extent. Yeah. And That's the only disappointing thing about this little spat is the fact that the end result is going to be so one sided oh, because Kellen Benjamin unfortunately has been just banished to nowhere land. Oh, two hundred percent, and it's going to be crazy. It's going to be absolutely unbelievable to see uh them meet each other in the regular season that one's going to be one for the for the books and uh yeah if there's a carolina insider somewhere maybe a newspaper writer why don't you do one of those live with the team for a year inside stories because i want to hear about this in a few years oh yeah 100 percent. i wish there was like a hard knocks or something that was like near their locker room so we could have seen that kind of implosion between those two, you know. 
There had to be something. We we don't know enough for this to be logical. Oh, yeah, 100%. For, for what we know, these reactions from these two people, we must be missing something, and I want to know what it is. Yeah, I know. I agree with you 100%, and hopefully you we get to see something something exciting between them in the game like you get to see him score and you know give him a give him some sort of celebration that's like kind of a big middle finger to benjamin and benjamin score and you know do something that's a big middle finger to cam he's like you just see this high tension kind of thing with two offensive players since they're never going to meet you know it's it's very it's it's very cool and i i i'm excited to see that play out in a regular season situation, but uh, yeah, do they play this year? I hope so. I, I hope so too. I'm not 100 percent sure. I have to dig that one up. But... I'm looking it up right now. Do, 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 do. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so uh, that's our last of our news. So I guess we'll. Oh, there's no bills on this. We'll all have to wait for a Super Bowl, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so I mean. We will, that will be the end of the podcast. We want to thank you guys for listening. Um, I'm back now. Uh, we'll be bringing it every week. I apologize for not being here net last week. Uh, so awesome. Thanks again, guys, for listening. I'm Kevin. And I'm Charles. And once again, I want to repeat what I said last week. We do this because we absolutely love sports. And we just we just want to talk about more all the sports football coming up, college football coming up, cycling still going strong, biathlon coming up. Anything else that you can think of that we should cover, let us know. We do this for the love, absolutely. 100%. That's exactly why we do it. Thanks again for listening, guys.